welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell podcast. I am, as usual, Jodell. And, you know, one of the main issues I work on with my clients outside of circadian rhythm and stress management is blood sugar, because without balancing it, you will certainly feel stress inside and out of your body, and you'll throw off many rhythms in your body. So I've invited my next guest to educate us on blood sugar, how it gets thrown off, and how we can keep it in check to help with weight loss, sleep, energy, moods, and much more. Plus, I'm also um, always eager to talk about amino acids from protein. So we will be discussing the benefits of amino acids and how easy it can be to get them in. And we have a good idea for you. So Aaron Knight, Vice President of Good Idea, has joined me today. And we have a good idea to share with you that will be an easy fix to your blood sugar, as well as a wealth of information as to the importance of building better blood sugar handling um, through improving your metabolism. So Erin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I love the introduction and the good ideas. We've got good ideas. Uh, I think so. I think I think so for sure. So, you know, you probably know this as well as I do, but I, it's almost like an epidemic of blood sugar handling issues in in the human population. So perhaps we can start by you being a researcher, being a scientist, breaking down how blood sugar works in the body and why it's so important. Yeah. I mean, everything in our body relies on blood sugar. I mean, you know, most people you say, uh, have, what are your blood sugar numbers? Like, Oh, I have a cousin who's diabetic or a pre-diabetic. We don't realize oftentimes that all of us are impacted by our blood sugar and specifically every single cell in our brain and body runs on glucose, which is blood sugar. Um, and it, it impacts everything from the surface of our skin, wrinkles, glycation, hair loss, those are impacted by blood sugar, our metabolism, our waist size, our energy levels, our mood is impacted by blood sugar. So um, there's a lot that that we can unpack in regards to how how much of our body relies on blood sugar or is, or is negatively impacted when we don't manage our blood sugar well. Mm-hmm. And what got you into studying about blood sugar? You know, I actually, it was such a weird roundabout way. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I grew up super active. I was a a swimmer, a dancer, uh, did gymnastics, ended up coaching gymnastics, swimming and dance. Uh, And then I moved into corporate life and worked at a software company. And that was the first time I'd ever just been sitting like at a desk for eight hours a day. And I would be like taking breaks to do jumping jacks in the bathroom. And (laughs) after a while realized like, okay, financial software is awesome, but it's not my passion. I need to find a career path that merges my passion for health with what I do every day. And so I actually was looking at different new tools because we're on this cool cutting edge piece of, of health technology where we can use different devices uh, at home to either do testing or blood work or um, metabolic, you know, indication testing, things like this. And I found Nutrisense, which is a CGM company, mm-hmm. and they allow you to check your metabolism through blood sugar using an app on your phone with a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor, which you wear on your arm. Right. So if you haven't heard of it for your listeners, um, it's got a little filament that goes into your fat layer and tells you through your phone where your blood sugar is. Um, and you know, they talked to me about it and, and basically we're explaining it's an indicator for how well your metabolism is working. It could also be an indicator for your energy levels, focus levels. And so 
I was sold. Like I'm, I was in, I wanted to be a part of the team and they hired me as their, you know, uh, first non, um, dietitian hire outside of their engineers. And, um, yeah, that's where I really started to dig in because after wearing a CGM, I saw every time my blood sugar spiked, I was feeling anxious. Every time it crashed, I was feeling like depressed or moody. And up until that point, I had thought I had anxiety. I was medicated for anxiety. I grew up on ADHD medication. And then as an adult switched over to anxiety medication and thought this is, you know, just part of the way my brain is wired. Um, and I have these problems. Little did I know how much that actually was connected to my blood sugar. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm a reactive hypoglycemic, not someone with anxiety. Mm -hmm. And through managing that over time, my need for the anxiety medication went away, which was just a fascinating thing. Um, and so I built a bunch of partnerships and, and actually was fascinated to know a lot of people in the health community or, or, or fitness coaches that would put on a CGM saw the same thing. Um, it wasn't just me. Mm -hmm. So you know, wearing the CGM, they're like, I had no idea that when I'm spiking, like going on this roller coaster avalanche upward or downward, my mood is so, so impacted. Mm -hmm. So that really was the light bulb moment for me about blood sugar. And then from then it's just been like a passion of mine to like, people call me the CGM fairy. Cause I'll slap CGMs <laughs> on people around me or I'll be like, I'll get you a you know prescription. And you know what I did that. My, my mom, you know, her blood sugar is like pre-diabetic range. My mm -hmm. stepdad, He's, he was type two diabetic after I put a CGM on him, we could see his fasting butcher was in the two hundreds. My dad is pre-diabetic. So it's crazy that how much people don't know. And if it wasn't for me, like going around and testing people in my life, we wouldn't know. Um, my fiance as well, his fasting blood sugar was around 113, you know, more in the pre-diabetic range as well. And he's in his thirties, which mm. is crazy. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it was just that moment and then turned into this whole you know, touching everyone in my, in my world and in my life. No, that's a good story to hear because I think so many people can resonate with, wow, maybe I have, a, you know, reactive hypo, hyperglycemia or hypoglycemia, depending on which way it goes for individuals, as far as anxiety and depression and things like that. So I do think that blood sugar handling plays a much bigger role in a lot of our conditions today than people recognize because they aren't testing all the time. You know, nobody wants to prick their finger all the time. And then with these, the CGMs, maybe you can answer this question for me because the issue I have with them is I'm very hesitant about anything that's connected to Bluetooth and EMF radiation. So in order for that signal to go from your arm to the CGM, there has to be a Bluetooth connection. And my right. understanding is there is some research behind um, EMF uh, affecting metabolic processes in the body specifically, but blood sugar, have you come across that or have you recognized that at all wearing one? Did, I mean, did you see any correlation? No, I didn't feel any, um, difference though. I, I do some EMF blocking. I've got my like stickers and I do, um, put my phone in into like a silver box and things like this, nice. but, um, but I don't, I, I've only worn the Libre, um, 14 day and the Libre two, mm -hmm. which it's only syncing if you are making it sync with the, um, NF NFID chip. Oh, good. So okay. It's like, you have to scan it. Okay. Whereas the Dexcom is the Bluetooth one that's constantly syncing. Gotcha. So I've never actually worn one of those that does continuous like Bluetooth. Okay. Um, but maybe, I mean, the Libre three just came out, I think a couple of weeks ago in the U S and I have the opportunity to test that one. Um, so based on that though, I'm not 
quite sure, but I will, you know, let you know if, if I find that there's any, you know, negative impact there. Yeah, it's good to know that there's a CGM that does just that. Like you have, you have to scan it to make it available rather than that constant. I didn't know there was that going on. So maybe that's something you can send me a link to and we can put it in the show notes for people if they want to check that out. So totally. And I think like the biggest thing with CGMs is they're hard to come by because there's a lack of doctors that are able to write prescriptions. Um, So what I've heard a lot of people say is like, where do I get them? Or um, it's like impossible to get them through your primary care doctor. And that is true for a lot of people. There's actually a company called Tastermonial and I'll give you the link. Mm-hmm. They will write a prescription. Um, they have, you know, doctors that will write prescriptions in each state mm-hmm. and make it accept. It makes it accessible for people who aren't type one or type two. But if you are type one or type two, you could also get one if you're having trouble getting one from your doctor through Tastermonial. They'll call it into your pharmacy and you pick it up. And if your insurance covers it, great. If it doesn't, it's like somewhere around seventy bucks for a month's worth, which is a lot cheaper than some of the competitors have out there. So I'll give you that as a resource as well. Yeah, no, that's cool. So when you went through your issue, what what did what steps did you take to start to correct your blood sugar? Well, at first I was just shocked because, you know, I'm working for this company and there's dietitians who are first off training me how it works because my mm-hmm. my job is really to build partnerships at that at that brand with people to do the same and teach them about their blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying, wow, you had a spike to like 155 milligrams per deciliter. And I thought at the time I was eating a healthy breakfast bar, you know, (laughs) marketed that way. And it really was like a nutrition light bulb for me too. It was like, oh, it's marketed as high fiber. Why then is my blood sugar so high? There was the lack of protein, a lack of healthy fats, I mean, it's a highly processed carbohydrate bar. So even if there's a lot of fiber in there, is it working really how natural fiber would in natural food? Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of kind of spiked like, okay, let me make a list of all the things I test. And I started to kind of whittle through like which things spiked me, which things didn't. And I had a protein powder that I was drinking in the mornings and it would spike me. And I had no idea it was the protein powder. So I took everything else out of the protein powder drink. And then really it was this, supposedly a low carb protein powder, but it was spiking my blood sugar like crazy. So it was like, okay, I swapped that finally for another one. And I have, um, equips, um, it's a, yeah, beef based one. That's Mm -hmm. like non lactose. That one's great. No spike whatsoever from that one. But I've, you know, I've started to learn to look behind the curtain of the marketing that goes on with brands and to really see how does it actually impact my body? Not what does the label say? Because the label may say this, but it may actually still spike me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was sort of the journey. And then I found once I started to stabilize my blood sugar and I was keeping my spikes under 30 milligrams per deciliter, which if you ever wear a CGM, you will be able to see that. Or if you use a glucometer, Mm -hmm. you'll see the values are generally between 70 and, you know, can be up in the two hundreds if if you have really high blood. Um, But keeping it, you know, between 70 and 130, that's my sweet spot. Okay. And I feel great when I, when I do that. And so having the CGM is a great like tour guide mm-hmm. to understanding myself better. Um, and so that's really the journey I took. That's cool. Yeah. And I think that is the benefit of like, if we have this modern technology of testing, whether it's, you know, poking your finger or the CGM, like it is 
really interesting when you take apart and and try different foods and see what's really affecting you because it's so bio-individual you know one person yeah. will not react to blueberries and then the next person does you know and I had a client who had gestational diabetes and she was like I don't know why I have this I've never had diabetes before but now while I'm pregnant I do and it was this the same food that she kept eating that was triggering her it was chips and salsa she was eating regularly because she craved it you know and so she realized she would go from 100 to 300 just by having like maybe a handful of of tortilla chips with salsa and so she realized it's this one food that I'm eating nothing else is spiking me but this one food is keeping me like borderline gestational diabetes so it is interesting I think you had even said did do you use yours for like 14 days and then you kind of just don't mess with it for a while yeah well I was kind of obsessed with it for a while I guess at first it's so it was so shocking I wore the first one then I needed like an emotional break from just the <laughs> eye opening that happened yeah. of like how drastic my blood sugar was going up and down. Um, but then after I was like, okay, I think I have a plan. Um, I wore it for a few months straight. Mm -hmm. And so, um, about three months straight, because that was my testing phase. And I felt confident, um, about using it for that tool. And also it's helpful for accountability too. If you're like, Oh, I'm going to go out with some friends or do this or that maybe have some charcuterie or maybe have some of the chips and salsa that are on the table. Mm -hmm. Then you can see, okay, well that kind of I'm starting to have an uptick. I'm just going to walk around, move my body a little bit and you can bring it down. There's so many hacks that I learned along the way too. But um, yeah, I would recommend wearing it at first for the 14 days. Yeah. Um, If from there you see some things that you want to work on, build a plan before putting that next one on Mm -hmm. because they only last for 14 days. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, have at it and start testing and swapping things. Uh, like your client had that the chips alone. There are so many things like that, you know, swap those chips for a cucumber or some other thing. And there you go. But like you said too, I mean, everyone is different. And so there could be identical twins who are genetically identical. And there was these studies done on them, uh, about 3000 identical twins by, um, it was Cleveland health and Zoe that did it. I think Mm -hmm. in, in tandem with Stanford, And they found that these identical twins would spike on different things. So Mm -hmm. if like people that are genetically identical need a different diet, like what does that say for the rest of us? We're trying to figure out what the the right thing is and following somebody else's meal plan may not be what's best for you because of that. It really needs to be personal and test, like something you can test and really see working for you. So yeah, it's good to test and not guess. If you have the availability to do it, it teaches you a lot about yourself and it's not something that you have to do, you know, ongoing. You learn about it and then you're like, I know how this affects me. So, and then symptoms don't lie either. I mean, sometimes I'll have clients that they get really sleepy after a meal and they just think it's them. And I'm like, no, that's your blood sugar. Like you shouldn't be sleepy. A meal should be energy, right? You should feel better after you eat a meal. You shouldn't want to take a nap. So, I mean, there's symptoms people can pay attention to too. So um, let's shift now to like some things that you've seen being a scientist and doing research on stuff that really create a dysregulation in blood sugar. Like what have you seen are some of the biggest culprits? Yeah. And I know we know food, you know, that's obviously the first place to start. You're eating sugar. You're going to raise your blood sugar, eating high carbs or fast carbohydrates that break down quickly. And that's like the white rices and the breads and even oats for some people, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that by itself and having naked carbohydrates without a substantial amount of protein, healthy fat and fiber Mm -hmm. is going to cause spikes. Now the, the way you can mitigate the diet 
um, is by uh, some hacks I'll share later. But um, the next ones are are probably the more surprising. And the second I would say is sleep. Mm. A lot of people are not sleeping enough and wondering why, you know, why am I having blood sugar spikes? And it's, yeah. you have to sleep. Your insulin sensitivity, which is how your cell takes the blood sugar into, into it to energize it. Uh, it weakens throughout the day, the day as you get tired. So you wake up, your insulin sensitivity is at its best. Your body is able to take in glucose as energy, you know, quickly and most efficiently. And as the day wears on, your body becomes more and more resistant to insulin doing its job, which is bringing that blood sugar into the cells to energize it. And we're going to see higher spikes later in the day and more dysregulation in blood sugar later in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, so sleep a lot and sleep well and, and track your sleep. If you can get an aura or something where you can track your sleep to see your sleep quality. Cause maybe you're sleeping nine hours, but you're not really getting enough deep sleep to restore your, your body or REM sleep to restore your brain. And that's going to mess with your stress levels and, um, your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Now the second, the third, the third one there would be stress then. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of people don't realize this too. It's like, Hey, we're working eight hours a day or, or some people even working through their lunch and eating lunch at their desk. Mm-hmm. That's doubling up on stress because eating is a stress on your body. Uh, working is a stress on your body compounding those, you could be eating a perfectly healthy meal, but it could raise your blood sugar more than if you sat outside or with some friends and enjoyed your meal and breathed through your meal um, and really take, taking in your meal without compounding stressors. Um, alcohol is another one. And a lot of people don't want to hear that, but alcohol is another one. Um, essentially your liver is responsible for regulating blood sugar, your glycogen stores, which is stored glucose, which is stored blood sugar happens in your liver. If your liver is processing alcohol, it can't also be creating new glucose to energize your body. So if you're drinking a few drinks in the night, you know, three or four drinks, your body's going to be processing that alcohol. You may actually see a deep dip in the middle of the night. I notice if I drink in the evenings and I go to sleep, I probably have a glucose low in the sixties. Uh, and my blood, sh- I woke up, wake up with a pounding heart. Yeah. You know, you think, Oh, I had a nightmare. Actually it's a blood sugar low. I scan yeah. and I think, Ooh, you know, my blood sugar is pretty low right now. Um, so that's another one, uh, chronic drinking, or it doesn't even have to be excessive drinking. One or two drinks will probably spike your blood sugar. Whereas you drink excessively, like I said, it's going to take up your liver's bandwidth and, um, and your, your blood sugar stores will drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so those would be the, the, the ones there. And then caffeine is an interesting one. Some people actually see blood sugar spikes when they drink caffeine. Some people don't, some people, for some, it helps with blood sugar. Um, so that's, I would say more bio-individual yeah. and links to stress because caffeine increases stress in the body. So. Yeah increasing that cortisol. Yeah. And going back to the sleep piece, I mean, one of the, my favorite studies that I've read is like a lack of sleep affects your blood sugar, because I remember it mentioned that less than six hours of sleep sets you up for being almost like acutely insulin resistant the next day, the following day. It's like, you're not 
automatically, you know, pre-diabetic, but like that next day, you just do not handle sugar based on your lack of sleep. So isn't totally. that just so interesting? So then they could, they are tired. They didn't sleep well. So then the next day, what do you gravitate towards these high sugar foods to give you energy? Mm -hmm. And yet it's the worst thing they could grab because they are going to now not handle the sugar that they're bringing in whatsoever. So absolutely. Yeah. It's a cycle. It's like no sleep, yeah. elevated cortisol levels, mm -hmm. right? Your stress levels are higher, worse blood sugar. You're craving, mm -hmm. you know, you're craving sugar. You're running on your amygdala, not your prefrontal cortex at that point. <laughs> that caveman cycle, yeah. no sleep, no energy, high blood sugar, yeah. you know, and just keeps, keeps going. So we yeah. have, to, we have to put the brakes on that mm -hmm. and, and really stop and be intentional with, with, with our body. Um, yeah. and then it, you know, it's crazy when you start taking care of even just two of those things, mm -hmm. how much the other ones reduce. Like, yeah. and that was the thing for me too. I would crave sugar every day around like 2 PM <laughs> when I was working my desk job. Uh, I would, and the, there was an office manager. She always had chocolates up on her desk <laughs> and I would notice that after lunch, I would go over there and we'd always chat and I'd always bring chocolates. She's like, I always keep my chocolate stock. Cause I know you're going to come every day around <laughs> two o'clock. <laughs> And that time frame makes sense because you eat around noon or one, mm -hmm. your blood sugar within 30, 45 minutes spikes, then it drops within the next 30, 45, and then you're in a craving zone. So, you know, our cravings are also created by our blood sugar dips. Absolutely. Like our body's way of notifying us like, Hey, we're out of energy mm -hmm. we spike. And then we crash. Our body thinks we're out of energy and that we need more calories when we don't need more calories. We just mm -hmm. insulin overdid it. And now we're in a dropped blood sugar state. Uh, and now we're craving, even though we've already had enough calories for our day. So, mm -hmm. um, it was crazy to me once my blood sugar was stable, how much less I was snacking and eating throughout the day too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's like so common too that, that afternoon slump, you hear that from a lot of people, the 2 PM crash or whatever. And a cliche I use with my clients is our day determines our night. So balancing that blood sugar all throughout the day, not only will you maybe not have that 2 PM slump, but that your night will actually be your insulin is better at night whenever you're more balanced through the day. And really that means they have to, like you said, balance out their meals. So they're not over insulinating themselves with these high sugar foods at lunch or high carb foods and lack of fiber, lack of protein and stuff like that. Or, you know, there's a lot of people that need to understand they don't get benefit from intermittent fasting and waiting until 1 p.m. to have a meal, yeah. you know, they need to have that constant influx of protein and fiber throughout their day so that their body stays even keeled. So it goes back to that patient, know thyself. If you are struggling with blood sugar and sleep issues at night, because you're waking up, like you said, with that pounding heart and just these highs and lows throughout your evening, uh, it may be that you need to balance out your day to balance out your night too. Yes, that's yeah. so true. And there's so much debate about intermittent fasting and skipping mm -hmm. breakfast, but yeah. I have seen it a lot too. Um, just in the space, skipping breakfast for some people is a terrible idea yeah. and, and it won't actually help with blood sugar and, and people with Dawn phenomenon, for example, mm -hmm. Dawn phenomenon happens when you wake up in the morning, you haven't eaten anything and your blood sugar starts spiking like crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's, you're waking up the stress of waking up, you know, uh, it increases your blood sugar because stress increases glucagon. Glucagon tells your blood sugars to rise to deal with the stress. Um, and so for some people eating there wouldn't be intuitive. It's like, Oh, my blood sugar is already rising. Why would I eat and spike that further? But actually for some people eating at that point 
stabilizes their blood sugar, especially if you're not eating a high carb meal, you're eating a proteinous fibrous, maybe some mm-hmm. vegetables and meat, um, can actually stabilize the blood sugar, yeah. uh, and just get you started in a more even keel for the rest of the day. Cause it, I did notice like if you're spiking your blood sugar in the morning or afternoon, the rest of the day is going to be crazy. Like a ping pong ball back and forth, just up, down, up, down, up, down mm-hmm. the days that you start out, right. It's way easier to stay right throughout the rest of the day. Um, and again, that's just like, if you consider it like a starter in a car, your insulin, you eat a food, your insulin has to respond to bring energy into your cells. Mm-hmm. You have way too much sugar. Insulin's like, ah, panicked and bringing all this yeah. sugar to the cells and overworking. Then it, it stays crazy the rest of the day. It wears out that starter. And, um, the only, the only thing that can restore that is, is good quality sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that sometimes eating just calms that adrenaline and cortisol reaction. You know, this Dr. Ray Pete that I consult with on the podcast, he really recommends even something like orange juice, which you would think is high sugar, but he's not telling you to usually drink it by itself. He's having eggs with it or even some Mm -hmm. meat with it so that you get this um, quick carbohydrate that calms that adrenaline, that high cortisol as well in the morning. And then you have the protein to slow down the absorption. And so you're more balanced. And like you said, you wouldn't, it would be counterintuitive if you think your blood sugar is already up with that Dawn phenomenon to have something, but it can actually bring it down. So I'm glad you mentioned that Dawn phenomenon, because I'm not sure a lot of people even know about that, but it actually is pretty prevalent. So yeah, yeah, that's good. And then another piece is like the blue light after dark. I mean, there is published studies on how that affects your insulin. So I try to remind my clients, are you late night eating? And they'll say, oh yeah, I can't, you know, sometimes it's ice cream or popcorn. And I'm like, well, what are you doing during that time? Well, I'm watching, you know, Netflix with my husband or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, it may not be that you're actually hungry. You may be stimulating. Insulin Mm -hmm. is going up in response to the blue lights. You may be stimulating those cravings and not even know about it. Whereas if you maybe dimmed all the lights or used some blue light blocking glasses or even just read instead of watch TV, you may find that those cravings aren't even there. So yeah. Yes. Yes. I definitely <laughs> read lights at night and book. I, we yeah. joke because from the outside of our house, our house looks like the haunted house all year long because <laughs> at night we have all these red lights. And so like oh, our windows are all awesome. glowing red. The kids are so used to it now though. And they, they love it. They, yeah. you know, they sleep better, but at first, you know, it looks a little scary if you're not used to red lights, but oh, yeah, for sure. reading that's, that's the, like, a really great tip for better sleep. I also actually listen to some frequencies. I don't know if you yeah, like binaural beats. Yeah. I'll listen to like some 587. I think it's 587. Um, the solfeggio frequency yeah. too. And it like, because it's such a habit and routine, red light raid frequency, mm-hmm. my brain just gets tired within like 20 minutes. I'm out. Totally. Yeah, so it makes totally. it so much easier to keep a routine. Yeah, because if you if you came to my house in the night, I'm wearing a, a camping red light headlamp because I don't have a lot of lamps and stuff around. So I just have my red light shining on my book, like you said, like mm-hmm. I'm reading. So I kind of look like an alien if you came in my house <laughs> with the red light on. But yeah, that's it's such an easy fix. I mean, either put the little red light bulbs in your house, like you mentioned, in your lamps, or just get a little headlamp or get some sort of, you know, Swanwick makes these anti-blue light night lights you can put around mm-hmm. that have no blue light coming out of them. So there's lots of solutions for people to dim those lights and not affect that insulin response at night. So it's just about making those habits part of your daily routine. So it's cool that you've learned all about that. sounds like you've done a lot of research on blood sugar. So yeah, I mean, my own personal 
Yeah. And of one. And then also it's just, yeah, it's the ton just of reading. And there's mm-hmm. so many studies now. I feel like it's a, sort of a movement. Like we're realizing the gut and the brain are connected and it's mm-hmm. like a bi-directional feedback loop. Mm-hmm. When we look at all these other facets of our body, it's like a web of, you know, bi-directional, multi-directional feedback loops. And yeah. I think the, the deeper I get into one thing, the more I'm realizing it impacts three other great things that I need That's to prioritize. Yeah. And and it can be overwhelming, I think, at first when you dive in. <laughs> but I think once you start to really hone in on like one or two things, if you can just focus on those two things, you'll see the other ones improve because of that connectivity, like mm-hmm. in your body. Like my sleep is better and my eating's better. My stress levels have gone down. Mm-hmm. My blood sugar's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of cool to see that happen. I'm sure you experience that all the time. Like, do you have any interesting stories about that? with clients. Yeah. It's like you said, if you really focus on some of the, the top offenders, like the balancing the blood sugar, uh, working on the gut, then it's a trickle down effect of so many other things like that. Now their gut, their liver is able to regulate hormones better. So they're making better sex hormones. They can improve their fertility. They get a better cycle going as far as their menstrual, menstrual cycle or hot flashes and night sweats go away when you balance blood sugar, because it, a lot of that has to do with like, you know, they whine, I call it wine down at night with their red wine. Mm -hmm. And that can affect their blood sugar, which will then send them into this little ripping the covers off in the middle of the night with this massive hot flash and night sweat. So yeah, it's, it's so powerful. Like you said, it's like a web or an orchestra of just correct these, these main issues, you know, if like um, inflammation in the gut, as well as the blood sugar, and you can see so many other things clear up. So, and sleep, oh my gosh, just improving your sleep with your blood sugar, that's hormone regulation. That's more growth hormone that we lose as we age. So you can even see things like skin anti-aging and um, less wrinkles, more muscle tone if they're trying to put on more muscle mass and things like that. So yeah, hugely important. I'm so glad that we're discussing this because I think, I do think that blood sugar is underestimated. Now, going back to your story, when you were really watching and you learned all those different foods with regard to blood sugar, did you see results like even with your weight? Was that an issue at that time? Were you able to lose weight at all? Yeah, I had been seeing, and this is, I think, common for everyone, you know, going from their early 20s metabolism into their mm. 30s metabolism. Is that? That's terrible. <laughs> I can't just have pizza whenever yeah. I want. Uh-huh. No consequence, you know, yeah. on my, my, my waistline. Right. So, um, you know, learning about how insulin the presence of insulin. And, you know, when you have these giant spikes and dips, insulin is really the factor of getting it all under control for your body and, mm-hmm. um, or trying to, <laughs> to yeah. spike whatever habits you have going on. Uh, but when there's too much insulin in the body, it's very hard to lose weight. So if you're having dysregulated blood sugar, it's extremely hard to lose weight because the presence of insulin makes it harder for that to happen. For sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a growth hormone. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's putting you in the growth mode. Yeah. So in order for you to be into loss mode and to actually tap into your stored energy, you know, your fat and your glycogen stores, mm-hmm. you have to reduce insulin in the body. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I noticed my inflammation around my gut, which I thought was just like, oh, this is just a normal, you know, I'm turning 30 pouch that all of us have. And then I realized, wait, that's not, that's, it's an inflammatory issue. Uh, and, and blood sugar is very inflammatory. And mm-hmm. when I dropped the the blood sugar um, and dropped just, I dropped added sugars altogether yeah. and, and my carbs became whole foods. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, 
the inflammation went down, the gut pouch went down yeah. and I, I did, I can turn it on and off when I want to. And that's kind of a cool freedom that people maybe don't realize too, is once you're really, really attuned to your blood sugar and your eating windows, you can turn on and off weight loss when you want to. Mm-hmm. It's up to you because now you have the freedom to, all right, let's dial down insulin and mm-hmm. I'm going to do uh, an intermittent fast, or I'm going to, you know, eat, eat, uh, more restricted or whatever your, you know, strategy is for that. Yeah. Um, but I can turn it on and off when I want to, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not hungry and starving. Cause there were those diets that I did before where I was like, Oh, I'm going to try and, you know, go down to that pant size. Cause I don't want to go buy new jeans or something. This was before, <laughs> before knowing as much as I do now. And I would eat these really weird restrictive or juice diets and I was ravenously hungry just looking at the time of like, when do I get to eat again? Mm-hmm. This isn't like that. When you're eating whole foods, nutritious, healthy, and getting plenty of protein and fiber and healthy fats and healthy carbohydrates, you're not looking at the clock. You're feeling free. You're feeling energized. And, you know, it's, 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 it's feels more effortless, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And so you had mentioned earlier about some hacks you were going to share with us. And we discussed some, you know, like improving your sleep and Mm -hmm. dimming that blue light and stuff like that. But what are some other things like some habits that balance out blood sugar throughout the day? And maybe let's discuss some conditions that we want to address with where even nutrients can play a role in in blood sugar. Yeah, I think, um, the number one hack that I think is an easy one for people who are either just getting their feet wet and maybe overwhelmed by some of the other like deeper hacks would be to eat in a certain order. All right. First and foremost, make sure you're not eating any naked carbs. That is Mm -hmm. carbs without protein and fat and fiber to put it. Mm -hmm. And then the second is to eat your carbs last. If you're going to eat them, your protein and your fiber first, like a low, a low sugar fiber. So like your veggies or any of your fibrous, you know, um, carbs that are uh, in your meal, eat those first with your protein and your healthy fat. And then any like starchy carbs or, you know, sugary carbs, if you're still having them have those after, and you'll see a lot of times people's blood sugars cut in half just from that hack. And the reason that that hack works is because fast carbohydrates, whether it's bread, rice, oatmeal, a cookie, um, break down really rapidly in your body. And that you know, releases all this blood sugar into your, into your system. Mm-hmm. And then insulin has to go into hyperdrive to get it under control. Whereas proteins break down slower. Mm-hmm. Um, fibers obviously keep your, your food from breaking down as quickly. Um, you know, and adding in the fats there are, are crucial for, um, delivering nutrients throughout your body yeah. and throughout your body. So if you eat those things first, you're not going to break down the foods as quickly. It's going to stay with you longer. And then your insulin isn't on panic mode um, and overworking you into a deficit, which causes the whole craving cycle to start again. So eating in order and never eating naked carbs, I think would be the two easiest ones people can do at any phase of their health journey. Mm -hmm. The next one would be to walk after meals. Yeah. So good. Yeah. There's so many studies showing just, and if you're not like wanting to do a 30 minute walk, do a five minute walk, a 10 minute walk. All of it helps. I've, uh, I've tested this back when I was doing my whole, which foods are spiking me. 
And there was a day where I wanted, I passed a gelato place and I really wanted gelato. And I went and got a scoop of gelato. And then I was like, okay, I ate the gelato and I thought, why don't we make this into a learning experiment? I'm going to sit here in my car and I'm going to watch my blood sugar. And when I see it start to really go up, I'm going to take a five minute walk and then I'm going to read it, wait 15 minutes, see what happens. And then if I need to, I'll walk again. And so I did that and it kind of was like, all right, it would spike. And then I took my walk and it would kind of start to slump off and down. And then I sat again, it was five minutes and then it spiked up a little more. And then I walked another five minutes and it stabilized and then went on its downward route. Nice. So you can blunt it with just, you know, 10 minutes of walking, Uh at least for me, I would recommend everyone test for themselves. Um, but that would be the second one is move your body after meals, even though sometimes you feel like sleeping or laying down after a meal the best thing you can do is to fight that urge and to get up and move around or dance with your kids or do something fun. It doesn't have to be just walking. It'd be whatever type of enjoyable movement that you would like to do. Um, and so I guess those would be the nutritional ones or the more just, uh, easy, quick ones. Um, you said you had some ideas in regards to certain micronutrients or what were you saying about supplements? Yeah. So, yeah. So kind of like my micronutrients and supplements that you've seen be a needle mover or that you like to recommend as kind of like a way to, to control that blood sugar as well. Yeah. Well, I take like a regimen and I've kind of thought about this as like, I take magnesium, B vitamins, yeah, okay. my omegas. I've got a bunch going on. Um, but I know that, uh, good idea <laughs> count as, as one of those. And I kind of want to go into the history of good idea. Cause I think that's kind of an yeah, interesting one. Let's talk um, about this good idea of yours. So go for it. Yeah. So it actually, I'll ha- have one here. Me too. <laughs> Berry, we're both having seaberry. It's my favorite is, one. Yeah. The seaberry like is my favorite. Mm. A lot of people ask, is that a real berry? Yeah, it is. It's a sea buckthorn berry, which grows wild in Sweden. It tastes kind of citrusy and crisp. If you've ever had a real sea berry, it's very bitter, but this one's a little bit more like floral citrusy taste. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good because I actually used to use sea buckthorn oil um, as a antioxidant and as a way to, you know, stimulate skin growth or skin health on my yeah. face, I'd kind of rub it on there. So yeah, tell us about the history. Cause there's a whole, like you guys have put so much thought into this, what people are seeing us just drink, what, like a sparkly water. They have no idea what you're about to discuss here. So go for it. Yeah. It tastes just like a sparkly water. So it, it really, it's understated and very, um, as far as the power that you're holding in the can of good idea. Right. With, yeah. with, with the history though, it's our chief scientist is a PhD in applied nutrition. And she did her PhD on natural foods that help with glycemic response. And she wasn't even thinking of good idea at this time. This was, you know, over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she was studying fermented foods and how they impact, you know, glycemic response. She then started looking at milk and proteins. And when you think about it, like milk, is a lot of sugar, has a lot of sugar in it. I mean, it's the goal is to grow the baby cow or baby animal. And so there's a lot of natural sugar in it. But when you drink a glass of milk, it doesn't spike your blood sugar as high as that sugar would if it was just on a spoon. Correct. And she was looking at like, why is that? Is it the lactase? Like, what is it that is causing this? And she found that it was actually these five broken down proteins, which are amino acids. Mm-hmm. And it's the three BCAAs plus two other essential amino acids. And so she played with those ratios and she found 
pairing it with chromium picolinate, which is a mineral that's found in broccoli mm -hmm. that helps with, you know, um, insulin sensitivity. Yeah. It actually helped the, um, blood sugar to drop by an average of 20 to 30%, mm -hmm. but insulin levels stayed at the same range as placebo in a normal healthy range. And so, uh, that really was sort of the discovery and then playing with the ratios to find the perfect amount to maximize that impact yeah. is really where this came from. So it came from studying proteins, uh, and whey protein. Um, so, you know, fast forward through now we've got what, um, 11 studies and two clinical trials that have been submitted to the FDA. And now it's, you know, a sparkling water. And the thought there was we could have put this in a supplement, but then the bioavailability of it not being suspended right. in water. You're going to have to grab a drink to have the the supplement anyway. So may as right. well give it a meal companion. And, and how you do it is you drink a third of the can before you eat, and then you finish the rest of it during your meal. Mm -hmm. And that's how you basically work, work to prime your metabolism uh, ahead of the meal to keep blood sugar from spiking and reduces your total blood sugar response to the meal. <clears throat> and the science of that really is amino acids, as we know, they're responsible for so many things within the body, you know, yeah. repairing tissue, building muscle, like our immune function, our metabolism, like all of these different functions in the body are from these proteins that break down into amino acids and our body rebuilds them into other things that do all of these like tasks throughout the body. They're like the bees of the beehive, I would consider them. <laughs> so, um, you know, with the amino acids, they slow gastric emptying mm -hmm. and then they improve, um, the ability for, for, um, insulin to move glucose into the cells. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the chromium picolinate really reduces the, the load or in, like demand on insulin, uh, because amino acids alone could actually spike insulin. And we saw that in some of our studies that amino acids were spiking insulin yeah. to a very high level but the chromium actually pulled it back down to a normal range. And that's really the beauty of a good idea. Um, you wouldn't want a drink that's just spiking your insulin. That's not going to do you any favors. Um, so our, our trials and our science are published on our website. People can see that and see, you know, the insulin levels um, and then the drop in blood sugar levels. And then we also get a lot of people that send their own CGM data to us with their experiments. So if you go on our Instagram, you can see meals without good idea versus with good idea and uh, side by side to see sort of the difference. So that's cool. And it actually, um, now there's some sort of Swedish context to it, correct? Like you want to describe some of that, like when you look at it, they, there's some words on there that don't look English. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Elin Osman, she actually discovered this. Um, at when she was doing research in Lund, Sweden, she is Swedish herself. Mm -hmm. And then she, you know, she worked at the anti-diabetic research Institute there in Sweden as well. Uh, we hail from Sweden. So our berries nice. are Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> so black currant and sea buckthorn, um, strawberry elderflower just was launched, which is oh, my, I was going to say, yeah, I haven't tried that one. Yeah. And then we have more coming. We're working on a lingonberry. Uh, and you have the wild working. raspberry, I think too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah wild raspberry. Mm -hmm. So no, that, and that's were, why it's closer to nature too. I mean, it's rather than putting artificial sweetener and making it like a soda or doing all right. of this, like part of the Swedish culture is to stay close to nature mm -hmm. and to really honor and value what nature already holds and to recognize that, you know, power that's within nature and 
that's what she was studying. And she was looking at natural properties and foods and how can they help us? Uh, because there are a lot of secrets within nature that do wonderful things. Um, we could make it into some other thing as far as adding a bunch of sugar to it. But we thought, no, let's keep it close to nature and keep it very mild, no sweeteners, no artificial, non-GMO, um, and keep the ingredient list very close to nature as well. So there's nothing in there um, that you wouldn't find on a plate of food. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we like to keep it that way. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, you were you were kind enough to send me some to try, and I was so excited because there's not very many um, drinks that are just you know pop the top and drink amino acids, in addition to like the immune boosting properties of like zinc and then the blood sugar of of the chromium, and then a lot of people are deficient in potassium and that's in there so this is actually really great for even something like a pre or post workout so people mm -hmm. that need to stabilize themselves with muscle cramping and with muscle recovery I mean this is a really well thought out drink but at first I was skeptical too because I was like is this just another you know that little health waters that are out there and but I love mineral waters. I love anything with some medicinal properties. So I was drinking, you know, like Mountain Valley and Gerald Steiner and stuff like that. Cause I love sparkling anything. I mean, that's kind of like a treat to have the little bubbles in your mouth. So when I uh, tried this, what I noticed now, I didn't test my blood sugar. So I'm sure maybe you can share some stories of people who have drank it with a meal. But mm -hmm. when I tried it, I got like this calm alertness after the meal to where I was just like, just feeling really calm but I'm also very alert like I'm like I just feel like I could do a lot of things but yet do calming things or something that's kind yeah. of the feeling that I got so I mean do you want to tell any stories about like people that have actually saw a difference in their blood sugar oh. after utilizing it totally I mean that's what I feel too and that's why sometimes I I'm I am very big on hearing customer voice and talking to customers and interfacing with customers and hearing their stories and I've heard people say like as far as asking about the product, like, how does this compare to a cup of coffee? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, it doesn't, it's not the same at all. Right. Um, it's not going to give you that. If, if you're like me and I'm caffeine sensitive, I get jittery, anxious. My stomach gets upset when I have coffee mm -hmm. um, and, ca and caffeine in general, really it's a CNS stimulant. It, it, it basically is creating a fight or flight response in your brain by displacing adenosine and releasing cortisol and epinephrine and norepinephrine. Right. So it's, in a, in a way, it's a brain stimulant that's creating energy as a byproduct of stress. Mm -hmm. Whereas good idea is actually energizing you by helping your body's, like the way that your body creates energy, which is converting glucose into energy, delivering that glucose to the cells, making that process more efficient. So it's, it's more on a cellular level of energy instead of like this neural stimulation uh, thing that caffeine does. Um, but I have had um, one, like one, one of the stories that I love most is Chris Cottrell and she, um, she had found out from her doctor that she was type two diabetic and it, it kind of shocked her. She didn't even know that she was pre-diabetic, uh, or anywhere near at risk and saw that her blood sugar was, you know, in the two hundreds and her A1C was over nine. And so her doctor wanted her on metformin, but she had heard from a friend that metformin hurt hurts your stomach or can have these other negative side effects that she didn't really want to be on a medication. So she kind of begged her doctor, like, will you just give me some time? And her doctor said, okay, fine. I'll give you two months to get your blood sugar under control. Uh, and then, you know, from there, if it's not, then, then you need to do something. We need to do something. So she went home, she cut the naked carbs 
And really she only did two things. She cut the naked carbs and she started monitoring her blood sugar and using good idea. She got a, a finger prick monitor and had read that it could help with blood sugar, but wasn't sure. So that's why she was testing it with the finger prick monitor. And she found that her meals that she had with good idea, her numbers were better. And so she just kept those going, stopped eating naked carbs, no, you know, donuts for breakfast. (laughs) Told me she was doing that sometimes if she was like out getting her car worked on or something and they had donuts there, she would have some. Mm -hmm. So she just abstained from those sorts of things and added good idea to her meal. And when she came back to her doctor, her A1C was under five uh, and she didn't need metformin. Mm -hmm. Now it wasn't good idea alone. She made a couple lifestyle tweaks, but it's a beautiful, like it's a beautiful story in the sense of it working in harmony with, as a tool with your lifestyle to help your metabolism and your blood sugar levels. Right. Um, and we've also, we also have a lot of people that are using it for detox, which I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, thinking that this would be for that, but there's people that are doing adrenal detox and they want to reduce stress levels. And so they're trying to find something that's like a nice little treat that's healthy for them. That's not going to stress them out like their morning coffee or an energy drink. And so good idea is the swap that I've heard of some people say that they're using. Um, and then another one is, is you had already mentioned kind of using it pre or post-workout. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Sykes and, and Danny Vega are two bodybuilders. And they told me that they, they love this because it's hard to find an amino acid drink that doesn't have exactly. a bunch of artificial stuff added to it. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, and they're, you know, very choosy on their ingredients. And so those are, you know, some other successes. I mean, they're <laughs> good ideas, not responsible for their, their bodybuilding alone. They're very good at what they do, <laughs> but you right. know, they love it and find that it works really well for them. So, um, that's another one. Now my, my own stepdad story, because I just was like, Hey, get a CGM prescription. It would be great for you. You guys have been talking about, you know, your weight loss goals, my mom and my stepdad, you guys should just get CGMs and see where you're at. That might help. Um, and it, and it, it did, (laughs) he's lost like 60 pounds, um, since wearing the CGM. Uh, I think this was back in May of this year. Uh, he put, I put the CGM on him and he saw his blood sugar was in the two hundreds. And, um, I gave them the same tips I gave here. Stop eating naked carbs, eat your meals in a certain order, walk after meals, no snacking after five or 6 PM is another good one that I didn't mention, but, um, and you know, have some good ideas. And I was giving them good ideas mm-hmm. and his, uh, like I said, he's lost a lot of weight and, uh, his blood sugar numbers are now in the lower one hundreds. He's still in the pre-diabetic range but it's about half of what it was, which is crazy. And he is able to lose weight and he feels better. Um, so that's just a personal family story, but, um, but a really impactful one. So that's great. And say the dosage that you want people to try Mm -hmm. it with again, like you mentioned how much before and how early before a meal. Yeah. So if you're going to have your meal, just drink a third of the can about three minutes before you start eating and then finish it along with your meal. Okay. And now if you're going to have something like a banana or something that's not a meal, um, you want to just drink the whole thing about five minutes before we've seen that people using it that way too. But I generally don't recommend just eating a naked carb. <laughs> right. so, now what yeah. about the issue? Now me being a gut person, like, um, 
and stomach acids really important and things like that. What about the issue of something bubbly around the meal? Because typically I would recommend like hot water with lemon with a meal or mm -hmm. something like warm herbal tea so that they're stimulating their gastric juices and stuff like that. Have you seen any issues with drinking this and causing like gas or bloating? Because I didn't when I when I did it for like I did it for like three weeks. I drank a can every night at dinner just the way you told me to. And I didn't have any digestive issues. So but yeah. have you heard about that at all? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people drink it and they're kind of startled by the flavor because they, we say it tastes like a sparkling water, but it really isn't the same as a normal, like LaCroix. LaCroix Correct. are like yes. 2.7 pH. They're very acidic and they're very bubbly, extremely bubbly. Like right. I can't even, I love LaCroix. I love sparkling water in general and my whole family does. And, but I do notice like I burp when I, whenever I have them right. and I don't finish them with a meal, it'd be very hard to chug one I actually think that was like a TikTok challenge where people were <laughs> trying to chug a whole LaCroix and oh my gosh. yeah, hard. It's hard to do. Um, whereas good idea is, is about half the carbonation and it's more alkaline. So it's tastes more sweet on the palate, even though there's no sweetener in there because the pH is almost double over what, you know, others are. Yeah. Um, and the bubbles are less. So we, I have had a customer who had GERD and she said that she couldn't handle it. Um, you know, so that was one, but others we've heard comments or, um, people leaving reviews saying like, Hey, this, when I've heard sparkling water, I was skeptical. Cause I don't like sparkling waters. They usually make me burp and bloated. This one doesn't do that. Um, and we had sort of that in mind with making it mild, uh, so that, you can drink the whole thing. The point is to drink the whole thing with your meal. We want that to be a pleasant experience. So the bubbles yeah. are very low. No, it is. It's very complimentary to a meal. Actually, I was surprised because I'm like, wait a second, I don't drink bubbly things at a meal. <laughs> so, but I wanted to do what you told me to try. And so when I did, it's like you said, I think you can call it a sparkling water, but it's more like it's not as bubbly as some of the other, even like I mentioned the Gerald Steiner or the Mountain Valley. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't drink those with my meal because they're very bubbly. So I think this is a nice compliment to almost like a very hydrating water too at your mealtime that you're sipping on. So yeah, it yeah. pairs very nicely with meals and the flavors do too. I mean, I specifically think this one goes well with all different types mm -hmm. of food. The wild raspberry is a little bit more, um, fruity fruit forward. So that one, maybe not something you want to pair with like fish and vegetables, but, um, this one and the black currant, I would say pair very nicely with meals. Raspberry is the one I usually grab if I'm just drinking it on its own for fun, sure, you know? For Sure. That's yeah. great. No, this is so good. I hope people will try a good idea for themselves, even if it's, you know, just as a, a workout, a pre or post workout, or like you mentioned, just trying to see if they can test themselves with their CGM or their blood glucose and check out what's going to happen when they incorporate it. So you've certainly put together a good idea in my opinion. So now where can people find it? a good idea? I mean, I'm sure there's a website, but are there stores that actually carry this too? Yeah. Yeah. We're working right now on national distribution. We should okay. have that set up in the next couple of months, actually with the availability to, to sell into retailers across the nation, but we're in all of the air one stores in Southern California. Mm -hmm. We're in about 20 different shops and cafes in Scottsdale and Phoenix mm -hmm. and Arizona area. And we're at all the central markets in Texas. Oh, cool. Um, so, you know, it's been under a year. We launched last November. Oh, actually now almost a year. We're coming up on our one year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So That's we are on Amazon and, and prime. So people okay. can you know, 
two-day ship it to their house or our website at goodidea.us. And mm. uh, that's where our newest flavor is, strawberry elderflower. Yeah. Um, that one's not anywhere yet, but we're trying to get it <laughs> everywhere soon. So. And you've been generous enough to share um, a promo code for my listeners. They can get 10% off with Jodel 10. So type that in and try all the different flavors because they're so good. And I can't wait to try the new one. The elderflower sounds really good. So yeah, we'll have to get you some to try. Absolutely. What's your favorite flavor, Jodel? It is the the sea, the sea berry is my favorite. Yeah. yeah. And just because there's so many medicinal effects to sea buckthorn too. So like, I like anything with the added benefit. Like I'm wondering if the elderflower would have anything to do with more immunity since it's, you know, the elderberry I'm assuming, or is elderflower separate from elderberry? I'm not a botanist. The, so I don't the know. Flower, well, the flower is like, yeah, the flower okay. happens before the berry comes. Okay. okay. Different, yeah. different properties to those, but. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for your time, Erin. This has been so fun. You guys check it out for yourself and um, we'll have to, we'll have to keep this rolling because it's your wealth of knowledge as far as like blood sugar and good tips to give people. So I'd love that. Thank Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely.